hi and welcome to the latest episode of Black Lab Bites with me, Joy Francis. And me, Patsy Isles. Well, we, you're in for a treat today because we have our first guest and it's a man and he's a millennial. So after weeks or months rather of hearing just the female perspective, it is very exciting that we're going to have the male perspective. So who is that man? That man is Derek Awusu. He's a writer, a poet and podcaster from North London. In 2016, he hooked up with Alex Rees on social media and became part of the multi-award winning literature podcast, Mostly Lit. His essay on black men and insecurities was the second most read article on Media Diversified in 2018. He has also collated, edited and contributed to SAFE on black British men reclaiming space a timely and much needed anthology exploring the experiences of black men in Britain. Welcome, Derek. Welcome. Thank you for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just a reminder to you all about what we're going to discuss today and uh, it's sex and sexuality. Yes, it is sex indeed. So f- wake up, people. Um, if, you, if you're not comfortable talking about sex, we are going to be talking about sex. And actually, the reason why we're talking about sex is because we seem to be uncomfortable talking about sex. Mm. And Derek, um, you know, you're literally in the hot seat. You can't see mm-hmm. him, but he's seated higher than us. <laughs> so, um, and... And he's kind of sitting under a skylight. So he really, truly is under the spotlight here. Yes. <laughs> so look, um, do you and your male friends talk openly about sex? And, and I'm curious about if there are any differences between your black African male friends and your black Caribbean friends? Um, the thing, I would say we do talk about sex. You know, like most guys have like a mandem group chat and mm. whatever but it's kind of everything they say is kind of steeped in bravado it's always kind of like they have to be bragging about sex they can't talk openly and emotional about it. there's no emotion when when the guys get together to talk about sex because yeah they i don't know i think they're embarrassed or something i don't know what it is it's it's really strange um i've got to a point now where i'm comfortable talking about sex but I finding someone who's also comfortable to talk about sex is very difficult, especially you know black men. Is it is it different when you're in a group of more than two, or or when like it's just you know just two of you when it's a bit more intimate? I think the intimacy scares straight black men. Mm. So when it's one on one, they're kind of like they don't want to talk about something where their penis is referenced mm. because they feel uncomfortable. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is ridiculous, of course it is. Um, and I think that's a problem. But then when there's more, then that's when the bravado starts to to, to, to play into it. Can you give us, I mean, you know, not asking for details, mm. but, you know, because we, again, that, that vagueness, we talk about sex, mm. but what is it we actually talk about? So is it about um, it as a topic? Is it is about how, you know, like you say, in terms of your, your straight male friends, about how they link up with women or um, how they not even caught or their sexual exploits i mean what is it that they talk and about we, we do recognize you you're letting us into the the kind of locker room here. Yeah, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> <laughs> um they, they yeah i think so when i was younger mm. when i was like 16 to about 22 talking about sex with the guys was more open but they would always talk about things that they had done to women or mm. do you know what i mean like mm. i said the trying to show up oh you know i've linked this girl on monday i linked this girl on tuesdays blah 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 all that kind mm. of thing do you know what i mean and i think maybe because i was kind of raised 
in I also think church has plays a big part mm. in this. Spirituality mm. plays a big part in why p- black people are kind of a bit funny about talking about sex. But I'll talk about that later. But with me, I was kind of never kind of fixated on sex the same way a lot of my friends were. So it got to the point when I was about 22 and my friends were still talking like that. And in my head, I was just thinking, oh, grow up, man. Like, I just thought, so I, d- I did distance myself from a lot of people. One, you know, there was one gentleman who, you know, we don't even talk anymore. We had a, we had a fist fight because he told me something so crazy um, that I was just like, no, this is, this is unbelievable. I can't do this anymore. So sometimes in the group chat as well, if someone says something a bit too out there. Mm. Is that misogynistic? Yeah, sexist, yeah. So yeah, you, yeah, have uh-huh. to, you jump in, Simeon as well will jump in and be like, guys, relax, chill out, and mm. try and explain to them, like, why they're moving mad. Do you know mm. what I mean? Um, but so, yeah, just a normal, open, casual conversation. You know, black men just can't have it. They, I do, it's just not going to happen. Do you know what I mean? They don't even like talking about sex with their partners sometimes. Do you think you would want to talk more with mm-hmm. men about the kind of emotional side of sex mm-hmm. you think you'd really want to to kind of do that i mean i, I don't really want to do it but i mean i wouldn't mind i wouldn't feel uncomfortable mm. if one of my friends came to me and said oh want to talk about sex and this and that and that. I, I mean i wouldn't mind i mean my brother come my little brother he's 19 comes to me and you know he tries to come with the bravado and stuff but i'm just telling him tone it down just just talk mm. to me properly mm. like do you know what i mean i'm not one of your boys your brother talk to me and then we have I've had good conversations with him where, you know, I'm kind of showing him certain things that he wouldn't be exposed to if he didn't have a big brother, which mm. is actually quite scary because some of the things he was saying to me, and I was like, whoa, this is, this is, this is mad. Who's not, like, who's teaching you these kind of things? But mm. it's the road, isn't it? Really? Mm. Is that, is that, uh, you know, it's funny because I'm, I know obviously appreciate, you know, you sharing this with us. And I'm just curious about the role of pornography because it's interesting. We're talking about sex mm. and all these debates about pornography and young people um, and that being the driver for them or the benchmark or, the, you know, the context of their understanding about sex. Mm. And then they act that out, you know, and that takes the emotion out of it. I mean, is that some of the things that alarmed you and concerned you? Yeah, I mean, my position on porn is very complicated. I mean, I'm not, f- I'm not mm. a fan of it. I understand it's, it's work for some people, and that, and that's fair enough. But I do think that porn, of course, has an effect on the way men see sex and see women. Absolutely, I, I feel like it, at this point, it's hard to deny that mm. at all. You know, because I've had conversations with some girls who I've dated, and they're like, "Oh yeah, the guy I was dating, he would say let's watch porn, and then ask me to do the things that they were doing." Mm. And she's not a porn star. She's, you know, she's just a regular girl. Like, she can't do all those, those kind of things. But guys want it. And the more guys watch porn, the harder it is to satisfy mm. them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And that, again, that's a problem because there's more pressure on women then to, you know, do these sex acts that they just don't want to do. Well, it's interesting because I wanted to talk about, let's take, go, go back to your book, actually, because mm. you've written a really interesting essay around black male invisibility yes and i was really curious about that because actually of course there is this idea about being invisible you know like you say on riding on the the train and what people's expectations are that you might do to them you know when you're just happily sitting there reading your book you know um but on the other hand male uh visibility when it comes to sex is quite the opposite Mm. and how difficult that might be for you to kind of navigate the two you know in Mm. terms of how you engage with the world it's very <coughs> being in the middle of that is very because like you're either to be honest with black men it's like you have to be hypersexualized you have to be hypersexual do you know what i mean so if you're not it's kind of like something's wrong with you something's wrong with mm. you or yeah or 
the girl you're dating might think, oh, you just don't like me that much because I'm she's just so used to guys being on it all the time. And, you know, for a long time, I thought, I didn't think there was something wrong with me, but I just thought, you know, maybe I'm just, I'm just not that into sex mm. because of the way other people were so into it. But I started to realize that I'm the regular guy and everybody else is obsessed <laughs> with sex. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's a very, it's a very difficult place to inhabit. You know, um, luckily, you know, my, the girl I'm dating at the moment, she's very understanding. You know, we have conversations, you know, we talk about sex, we, you know, so that's, that's great, you know, but I think for a lot of other guys, Sometimes even if they don't want to have sex, they will force themselves to have sex. Mm. Interesting. You know I mean, yeah. yeah I, I mean, talking to a lot of my guy friends, a lot of my guy friends, they fake orgasms mm. because they're they're tired. They don't have sex anymore, <laughs> so, <laughs> so they fake orgasms so they can. Stop it, you know, that's so interesting because obviously the debate around fake, you know, faking orgasms always involves women, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. never involves men. So that's just such an interesting. That's probably another program. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> definitely. Well, and also, but it's it's implicit that is this peer pressure on black men, presuming in these situations they're with black women that they have to be these sexual you know, um, athletes mm. and that almost they're, feed, they're feeding into the stereotype with each other. So they feel they need to perform rather than say, you know what, I just want to chill out, be with you. You know, so the currency that's put on sex equals black man equals performance. Mm. And the fact they can't talk to their partners about it, that's quite, un- that's, there's a, that's, that's sad to me, yeah. Yeah. isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah. um, and that sort of feeds into, we want to look a bit about some of the, the findings, you know, um, from our survey, because, you know, I sent, you know, some of the findings around sex to you, Derek. And um, I, I remember when Patsy and I were going through the findings to decide what we were going to pick out to showcase at our launch at Bush Theatre a com- over a year ago, isn't it? Mm. And the sex part was so significant. Um, and just for you listening in you guys listening in um you know when we ask the question have you ever had a one night stand 51% said yes 49% said no 645 of the 900 respondents answered that question but what was really interesting so you know nearly a third skipped it fine when we asked another question said well okay if yes how many um, all of a sudden, that 645, you said, yeah, the one night stand went down to 302 <laughs> in terms of taking the time to answer it in it. Mm. And apart from saying none of our business, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> um, that, I think there might have been at yeah, least one. I think there's a couple, yeah, that. you know, not applicable. I don't <laughs> no, know how exactly. that is. That was it. I remember, not applicable. Mm, how does that fit? Great. I'm not going to go into details too much about how many and who. Um, but the majority was one um, out of the numbers um, we've got here. And what's the longest time when we ask what's the longest time you've waited before sleeping with someone you've begun a relationship with uh 15% said it took them six months 25% three months uh 23% one month um and the numbers dwindle when it comes to under a week and two weeks Mm -hmm. um they're lying yeah (laughs) (laughs) well you're saying that i mean the thing is you say that they're lying it's quite interesting i think i think what would be interesting is look at the breakdown in terms of age group because Mm. i didn't lose my virginity until i was 23 Mm. i mean and you know even now that's seen as late um and a lot of women that i know and even some guys um either long periods of celibacy or um they didn't have sex till their mid to late 
twenties, the mm. impact of their parents, religion, other things was enough, you know. Mm. I think there is this perception. And value, around, and yes. value. I'm not gonna give it just to any old body, mm. you know. Mm. So so I think and I'm in my early fifties, you know, so that may have a bearing as well. Yeah, and also how people perceive what mm-hmm. a one-night stand is, right? Mm-hmm. Because actually, you know, if, if you are a person that's like having one-night stands, then you're loose, you're, you know, you're mm. this, you're that. I mean, maybe it's different for a guy. So mm. I don't know if the perception is different. But certainly for women, though, women oh, don't want to talk is. about that because they don't want to put it out there. I remember I used to work with a woman and she was dating and she would go out on a date with them. She'd, she'd kind of go back and she'd sleep with them that night and then next morning she'd be back in the in same clothes, you know, and then she'd go out on another date a couple of days later. She wasn't a black woman, by the way. Yeah. I just have to say that. But, you know, for her, she was just like, well, I need to do this. This is what I need to do. I need to know who they are. I need to be, get physical with them straight away. For her, it was acceptable. She talked about it openly, mm. you know, and there was a part of me that actually thought, well, you know, that's your choice and you're good for it, you know, good for you for, for being open and talking about it if that's your choice, mm-hmm. you know. And I think part of the problem is that we will do certain things behind closed doors, but then we don't want to talk about them because of the perception mm. and how we might look. And for things like, you know, I think done like to religion and mm. things like this, I think does have a massive impact on how we It think. feels like there's less pressure now, but I'm, I'm curious about how, f- again, with, you know, talking really, it's, specifically and broadly here in mm. one way specific to Derek's experience and, and really broadly we don't want to be generalizing mm. too much but in your experience um how do men categorize your straight male friends categorize women and whether or not they are um receptive to having sex as you know after meeting them a couple of hours mm. or holding out so-called i mean what's what's the yeah. take from your end on that see i think this plays a big part as well mm. especially for black women because it's you know black women are hypersexualized, mm-hmm. but then they're told that they shouldn't sleep around or mm. they shouldn't have sex you know what i mean mm. Cause, and they don't want to be seen as scats and all that kind of that kind of rubbish so when you do meet a girl who's basically very free a black woman she's like yeah i have sex with this guy i have sex with this guy this guy this guy this guy you know it's usually because she just got to a place where she's like i just don't care anymore mm. I, I can't bother but it takes a while to get to that point yeah. and i think that's a good very po- true i think that's a good yeah. point to be at because then you're you're not worrying about what other people are thinking about mm. you um and i know of course the perception is guys don't mind you know when they sleep around and stuff but mm. that's true to a certain extent but guaranteed you if a guy slept with 20 women when he's talking to a girl he likes, he's not going to say slept with 20 minutes. Oh, women. Yeah. He's going to say maybe five or 10. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because, again, the perception is going to be this guy's a skit or he's a player yeah. or whatever. Mm, do you know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. You know, back in the day, you could, it would be only like black women who are called skits and stuff. But now, guys as well. They'll oh. call a guy a hoe and be like, I don't want to mess with you anymore. Mm. Do you know what I mean? There's mm. there, Now, there's nothing macho about bragging about how many women you've slept with to women. Mm. You can do it to your guy friends, but even your guy friends would be like, stop acting like a hoe. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which of course is ridiculous. Do what you like, but um, yeah, it's it's very slowly, nowhere near equal, but it's kind of shifting now. There is a lot of um, nervousness, um, caution around talking about sex. Mm. It's almost like again that famous word of ours. You know, um, people need permission, um, need uh, uh, a safe space, need a non-disclosure agreement <laughs> to talk about sex. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure it don't go beyond these walls. About it's almost like this. It's imbued with shame. You know, it's like people would look at me completely differently. And I think, how much do you think that has to do with, even though it may seem the most obvious question, with how we are perceived and positioned without our permission? 
by society mm. that straight away we're having to negotiate that before mm. we can even find out am I a sexual being mm. I think I personally don't think it has too much to do with the white gaze mm-hmm. in terms of black people not wanting to talk about sex or being shy I mean yeah the white gaze the, the white gaze of Jesus that's yeah, that's 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 even the black gays I'm, t- yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. not even talking just about the white gays I'm mm. like the black gays oh, of course yeah abso- <sighs> absolutely you know, yeah your parents your, your 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 community yeah you know the fact that I'm at school if someone slept with someone which is their right did you enjoy it no the fact I know I don't even know who the person is I know she slept with who she slept with and when mm. you know that word of mouth mm. that we're renowned for um, so that yeah, so mm. it's in relation to we've got more than one gaze. That's a lot, and it's yeah. still stereotype and a lot of pressure. That's true. That's that's very very true. And it's um, I it's, it's really complicated. You know, I mean, when I was young, I mean, I I lost my virginity when I was fifteen, mm-hmm. and um, when I did, I remember feeling so guilty, so guilty. You know, I was really down. I was really upset. I was kind of like, why did I do this? You know, I thought I disgraced my mom and all that kind of mm. all that kind of stuff. You know, and my mom never actually spoke to me about sex. I never had a conversation with my mom about sex or my dad. So I'm kind of like, where did I get these ideas that, do you know what I mean? You know, Is and your I'm, family religious? They are religious, mm. but mm. I, I, I never went to church and heard them talk about sex either. Mm. I just kind of knew. It, I, it was just like in the community, sex is a bad thing. It's like, mm. it's like con- um, communicated through osmosis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's really strange. Yeah, because I don't remember any kind of, do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean... It's just yeah, you're right. It's just it just permeates the black community. Like mm. you know, sex is not taboo, but it's something that you keep behind closed doors. You don't talk about it. You don't need it. To, why are you telling me about your sex life? I don't mm. want to know about your sex life. Do you know what I mean? It's really um, yes, yeah, it's, it's strange now. I'm thinking about it. Coming back to it's funny you talk about you're talking about your parents. Mm. Um, Patsy, what about you? I mean, in terms of your parents in, and and sex, where did you get your cues from? Where did you get your well, it wasn't yes, it from is. my parents. It really, <laughs> <laughs> really wasn't, you know, I mean, it wasn't the kind of thing. Certainly with my dad, mm. you know, because my dad was a quiet man, bless him. Um, he was a quiet man and he, he didn't really get involved with that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And, and as far as mum was concerned, mum was kind of, was almost like the matriarch and the patriarch in many, in many um, respects. Um, and for her, it was like, she just didn't want me to have a boyfriend. You know, she just didn't want me to have a boyfriend, you know. And actually, I was I was a tomboy. Yeah. So I wasn't interested in boyfriends, uh, 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 you know, in any other way other than as boy friends. You know? mm-hmm. They were like guys I kind of hung out with. I have mm-hmm. a lot of brothers. I have no sisters. Mm-hmm. So at the point at which, I mean, I, I lost my virginity at 18. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it wasn't something that I ever really thought about. It was that at that point, I started to kind of think, you know, actually maybe I can be a little feminine. Maybe I can kind of dress a bit nicer and whatever. And obviously, you know, you start to develop and all that sort of stuff. And that was when it came for me, you know, that interest in in guys, whatever. But as far as my mum was concerned, she was just terrified, I think, that at some point her girl was going to sleep with someone and and get pregnant straight away, you know. Um, But, you know, I I think that they underestimate that you you're a thinking person mm. and you actually do know about kind of the birds and the bees and what might happen if you do that yeah um so i think it was really just f- again through this osmosis you know th- about the fact that what people were prepared to talk about you know friends and peers and what they weren't and this kind of idea and i guess i got it from some of uh, my friends whose families were religious mm. you know where they would communicate you know you don't do this and you don't do that mm. um but certainly not 
directly from my own parents, I would say. I this a thought came into my head. I'm, I'm going to show this. Uh, uh, it's so funny because my situation is slightly different. I was obsessed with sex, even though mm-hmm. I hadn't had sex. Interesting. Because I've you know reading people like James Baldwin, John mm. Updike, mm-hmm. um, uh, Jacqueline Suzanne. Jerome yeah, Jacqueline Suzanne, you know, um, Fear of Flying, you mm. know, Erica Jong. So I was, don't be, bookshops, I was in there, second hand bookshops exchange. One goes, I'm so glad to see you're reading. I said, yeah. And I'm like, whoa, you know, and, but the thing is, these are mature adult novels. Mm. They weren't, you know, um, my sister, you know, I had another sister, I won't name which one out of the four, um, was you know, all Mills and Boons. And she was older than me. And I I'm remember the Mills and Boons. Bro- yeah. I remember these, the- these books that talked <laughs> about relationships and sex and mm. um, boundaries and, and or no boundaries. And, um, and my mum gave me the Birds and Bees talk. But by the end of it, basically, I said, mum, after that, that, that did it for me. I'm just not going to bother about it because I was going to go away to, to do my degree. She came in, gave me the talk. Um, and that was that. But I, like you say, and you know, when um, the Joy of Sex came out, I was one of the first when I went to do my degree. I bought, I bought the book mm. and I read it. Mm. So even though I didn't have, um, I lost my virginity at 23, I felt really informed. But what, what the story I want to actually say really briefly was when I was at um, secondary school, when I was about 14, 15, we're doing poetry. And in those days, you know, there's many white poets. So mm. I remember I loved John Donne. Mm. And John Donne's imagery is very sexual. Mm. And the, and it's funny how my, my male friends, black, especially the black boys, this r- rumor went around the school, but not in the, it wasn't funny, it wasn't in a negative way, but I thought it was hilarious because I was going back and forth with the, 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 the teacher about what, what meant what and what I thought, well, you know, so one aspect was clearly around women's genitalia mm. and whatever. Mm. And from that, literally that was it. In class, academic setting, Word went round. Joy's knowledgeable about sex. <laughs> that was it. It was literally, joy, but it wasn't. It wasn't like I was talking. Oh, joy knows about sex. So all of a sudden, they want to hang out and chat and steer the conversation. But why are you talking to me about what? You know, I want to talk about hockey or football or, or uh, spandau ballet. What was that? And and I, and now I'm thinking about it. And then that positioned me, and I was already tall in my school. You know what I mean? So that they, I had this image. Mm. She knows her stuff. Never know nothing apart from what I've read. <laughs> but the survey. Going back to parents, you know, this whole thing about, you know, what did you learn from your mum or your dad? And mm. I'm sort of lumping them together purely because we had the same sort of uh, response around 550 for both. And the majority said nothing, zero, mm. nothing, zero, which is worrying. Yeah. Yeah, it's worrying. I think my, with my mum, I think she kind of just assumed I would know about um and sex. And I think, like you said, you know, your mum was thinking you might get pregnant mm. obviously you know being a guy my mom never had that worry and Ghanaian mums as well are very notoriously mothering to their sons you know <laughs> Ghanaian, Ghanaian men are mother's boys you know what I mean mm. and it's interesting I remember about two years ago I was on Twitter and I, I people were tweeting about stuff and uh, about sex and stuff and I tweeted you know every time I bring a, a girl to my house you know if, and we're gonna have sex my mom will talk to them make them some food and stuff but then they'll go and I was like, this happens a lot. And people were like, what? Your mum, your mum, <laughs> your mum, like, you bring girls to the house to have sex with and your mum's okay with it. She gives them food. I was like, so what do you, what, what do you expect my mum to do? Be rude to them. I don't, I don't, do you know what I mean? <laughs> because she knows what, she knows what's happening. Do you know what I mean? She may not like it, but at the end of the day, there's, she respects me enough to know that I'm a guy and these things happen. Mm. So, so I was just kind of like, wow, okay, what is happening? Well, actually, 
people are probably not even bringing people back to their houses. When this is very you know, interesting because Caribbean, traditionally be that was there was no way mm. that could happen, oh. you know. But I do think it's different now. I mean, because obviously, you know, I am a mother of you know a millennial, yeah. and you know, so and also let's just face the facts: millennials cannot afford to live by themselves. Lots of millennials are still living at home, yeah. and at the at the end of the day, you have to acknowledge that they are now adults. Mm. Right. You can't be living in, in, a, in a kind of a bubble and think, well, you know, this this person is, is still five and they're bringing someone in the house. to have. No, mm. I mean, they're millennials, they're grown people. So I think as parents, we have to change the way that we mm. that we think about yeah, it. It's yeah. really important, you know, but there's a culture thing because I know. Listen, <laughs> I all I know is, right, when I was growing up. And my mum's, you know, a, a really worldly, but one thing she was really clear about, sex ain't happening under her roof in her house. It was the same for me. Right? Mm -hmm. No matter what age, you know, one, we are, one sister, anyway. Anyway, but, but <laughs> it's not going to happen. And I think that, and also it's interesting too about the cultural thing. That was seen as something that white English people did, mm. you know, because a lot mm. of my friends, you know, some of my white friends, when they used to say, oh, my boyfriend and 16-year-old in the house. And I one, just the thought of having sex in the house with my parents in the house just turned me cold. Mm. But secondly, I'm like, my mother would kill me. <laughs> she would have to raise her hand her eyes alone. I'd be dead to her. Listen, so that, I remember that, when that I started I started seeing my first sort of mm. major boyfriend and I was still living at home. I was living at home for about another two years before mm. we moved in together. And he used to come around and I remember my mum would be, go up to bed after a time. You know, we'd be watching television together. Mm. She'd go up to bed after a time and then maybe it was about, you know, so she'd maybe go up about 10 and then we'd just be downstairs, you know, whatever. And at about 12 o'clock, when you think the woman is fast asleep, you know, it'd be like, Patsy, don't you think it's time so-and-so went home? I, I was, so I know exactly what you're talking about. I I, for, for me, as a parent now, mm. living in this age, I recognise I cannot be like that. Mm. There's no way I could do that to my child. I was dating somebody. I was seeing him for four months. I was, he hadn't been around my house yet. I was showing him my bedroom because he was giving him a tour of the house. Showed him my bedroom. It is broad daylight. All right. He was in there. I was at on the in the hallway, and my mum just shouted up about who's up there with me, right? And then came downstairs. We were fully closed. I mean, and this way we you know miraculously did something in two seconds. Came downstairs. She looked at me. She goes, "What's he in front of Skeb? What are you doing? What's he, what, what are you doing in her bedroom?" She goes, "Just show me the bedroom." She looked at both. I said, "Okay, <laughs> I am early twenties." <laughs> And that's why I knew, I love you, mum, but my ass is to move out. Mm. This is, this is, I can't, be, this, is, this, is, this is just ridiculous. I'm 22 years old, yeah, yeah. you know? And, mm. um, but so, yeah, and I do think then the, the gender difference, because you're, you're, you're a guy. And, mm. I, and again, maybe it's a different thing. I'd rather it happen under my roof. Mm. And some parents are like that as well. I'd rather it happen under my roof, you yeah, know, in, exactly. in, instead. I want to take you, Derek, back to something that you, when before we started, um, you know, recording, and you said what you, you and your friends do talk about is love, like love. Yeah. So I'm curious because mm. it was sex, not talking about it, but love, we are. So yeah. what, what's what's happening there? Um, it's strange. It just always comes up, you know, where someone will talk about, oh, you know, because um, my my partner, she's always talking about how, um, what did she say? She said that the, the, the market is, is very bad at the moment for black men. Yeah, yeah. She's like, <laughs> you know, the market is <laughs> in the toilet, all this kind of stuff. Um, so when we, when the boys get together, I'm, I'll be like, oh yeah, you know, this is what she said and whatever. And they're like, they think the market's bad because they they don't want to, they just don't want to date us. They want to date white men. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, like they want to. <laughs> oh, that's not what we're hearing. Yeah, they want to. Oh, 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 controversial. Yeah. Um, 
um, and it, it, I will say that it is sometimes when you're on social media, you get sucked into this world that it actually isn't the real world, Mm-mm. where it looks like no black woman wants to date a black man mm. because that's what Twitter's saying. Mm. When you step outside of that, you just see black couples everywhere. Um, but yeah, we, we talk about it and we kind of wonder, um, are we going to marry black women? You know what I mean? It's a conversation we always have, you know, what would your parents say if you brought home a, like a Ghanaian or a Jamaican or whatever, you know? Our conversations always focus on the fact that we will probably marry black women, mm. but what kind of black women? Do you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> only one of my friends is married. You know, we're all in our 30s. Only one of them. He's, he's Somali. And is he married to a black woman? Yeah, yeah, he's married to another Somali <laughs> Just woman. Just by chance. I mean, yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. not that it matters. But um, I'm just curious. Your friends you're talking to, one, the fact they're having a discussion about marriage. Mm. So it's not, it's, I said about, talking about love, and then straight away you've mentioned marriage. Mm. I'm just curious, your friends, how many of them are Caribbean and how many of them are African in terms of this mm. conversation? Um, so two are Caribbean. Mm-hmm. The rest are African. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you know, I, it, it's, it's uh, Patsy. I'm, I'm going to step in here just in terms of what I'm intrigued by and why we laughed involuntarily mm. um, there. Because there's been a whole journey where, you know, most of the stats show that s- consistently, um, in terms of interracial relationships, it's primarily been led by Caribbean men going out with with, with mm. non-black women. Oh, really? That's been a trend for a long time, over mm. ten years, and even the Office of National Statistics have shown that. Um, also, the fact that um, the proportion of women who are single and has been born up by the survey is significantly high. Yeah. I mean, 56% mm. at the point of completing the survey were single. And a significant proportion of that are black women. Because the trend now, why you're seeing so many black women, it seems to me, going out with uh, non-black men, is because of this 20, 30-year experience of um, being seen to be overlooked and and um, mm. being less mm. valued um That's compared to latina women um and, and and white women for example um so as a result and especially from conversations with black women from across the age groups that are over the many years is that now they're starting to say oh, you know what i'm gonna start dating outside, outside of my race mm-hmm. because i've waited patiently like um angie stone <laughs> declared in their songs and I, I actually just want to experience being in love and I just want to experience being married mm. and so I need to just look where I'm going to get that so it's really great to, yeah so it shows mm. you that there's and this is why we have to have the conversations because yeah. I think we're not talking to each other there's a disconnect somewhere the there, there is really a is a disconnect because yeah. that was so interesting to, to hear you say that you know where everything that we've been hearing really mm. I mean I'd say the majority of the women that we've spoken to over the years have been saying the kind of same thing black basically the black men them. are not interested in black women mm. I find that so baffling yeah. probably just because of my friendship group and yeah. the mm. fact that we it's like I can't even comprehend a black man not being attracted to a black woman it's mm. just such you're a not stra- the only one it's such a strange thing to me mm. um but yeah, I don't know but that's why these these conversations are really good Mm. because actually that's really i think there's so many women out there i'm sure um that will have heard that and actually think my god this is actually quite encouraging Mm. you know Mm. and i don't know whether it's a uh, an age thing or you know because you think so Mm. i think i think it's an age thing but also i think it it is a cultural thing because if you notice where those conversations are happening Mm -hmm. and who's getting married most of and when and when i do see the marriages happening it's caribbean women marrying african men mm. 
also I think mm. now that I think about it I'm just it, saying just from what I've seen you know there mm. is a shift and there is an age aspect because I'm seeing some of the best you know when they have those wedding dances um, the best ones seem to be young black couples yes. with their fraternity <laughs> brothers and sisters right. and they're rocking up or you know a lo- and a lot of them are West African for example mm. and you know and there is this camaraderie and there is this you know even like everything from you know either through faith mm-hmm. either through um, just wanting to be a powerful power couple yeah. you know there's a whole narrative I think that millennials have developed that they're honouring mm. and I think some of it comes from not just you know African countries but also African America and I think there's that that and social media has helped that but mm. before that and we didn't have those spaces and those conversations, mm. the, the narrative is very different. Mm. And I think there's different narratives operating in different spaces. So we, about bringing them together, because I'm hearing different things from 30, 30 something and below mm. compared to 30 somethings and above. So I think it'd be interesting for us to get a, have a man Definitely. who's, who's, who's mm. like in the 40s yeah. and what yeah. they're on, because yeah. yeah. I, o- I also mm. think that, you know, with my generation, the millennials, it's mm. kind of like, where do we now meet women? So like Simeon wrote about this, where do black men go to dance? Mm. We're not meeting black women in clubs anymore because one, we're not going to clubs because you won't get in anyway as black men. Mm. And it's kind of like, obviously the statistics show that a lot of black men are unemployed or in their in particular kinds of jobs. Right now, African women especially are flourishing in, yes. in, in the yeah. workplace. Mm. So what are they me- who are they meeting there? They're meeting white men there, do you know what I mean? So that's also gonna you know have, have an effect on all of it. So. I think, like, because, you know, a lot of the time I talk to my, my boys, my boy Simeon especially, and he's kind of like, yeah, you know, a lot of black women are dating white men, but if they really wanted to date white men, they could just come to the hood and find a guy. And I'm like, but they don't want to, they don't want to come into the hood. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, 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 and pick a guy off Tottenham High Road when they, they when they can be in there, in the law firm with, with my man Gregory or something. And then, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Or Tarquin. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So... Yeah, but yeah, I think there are a lot of, you know, social and economic things that are changing now mm. that results in, you know, black women dating white men. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I think, we, you know what, we're going to so have to come back to this. Mm. Yeah. Um, and especially when we do like start doing the, the live podcast, mm. because I think we have to hear each experience because I am so, it's just like how I surprised you. You have surprised me 100%. about the fact young black men are sitting down saying, "Why don't black men want to date it's us?" Just I amazing. have never. <laughs> That's a first for me. So this is showing wow, you. You, okay. you know, you don't know what you don't know, which is why we people we got to talk to each other. Two days ago, I was on the train, the tube, and there was a young. I, I was reading, but you could see my eye line. A young black couple came on the train and stood right in front of me, and they were just chatting to each other. And we, lo- I looked up, they looked at me, I beamed at them, and they beamed at me yeah. and they felt and it felt important yes. for them to get that reinforcement yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. this lovely That's young nice. black couple yeah and then i got off and i just thought why does that even that feels like a unicorn situation yeah, it shouldn't yeah, yeah. but it is mm. one like me mm. like me and the, um, the girl that i'm dating we have this kind of running joke that when we're on public transport we always we see black couples but we never see black couples acting like they're in love yes yes yeah yeah do you know what i mean they're always kind of like <laughs> like st- almost standoffish with each other mm. when they're when they're on public transport. And we we say to each other like you know once we get really serious we could just not we cannot be like them. We have to <laughs> we have to show that we're loved. You know, and we mm. hold hands, kissing on the train, and all that kind of stuff. Can I just yeah. say just the simple fact that mm. you have spoken about it? Yes, with with each other. Mm. I I just want to sort of just bring it back to some of the sort of 
the struggle we have around um talking about sex mm. experiencing sex even experimenting you know i mean everyone should be entitled that's what you do when you're an adolescent you know you should be entitled to do that um just going back to the advice uh fathers gave their sons daughters and and their mothers giving sons their sons and daughters and um regarding fathers some of the advice i'm going to include men will do anything to get their leg over um that is a tool to control women and um dad one person said you know dad tells me to say safe but offers no detailed discussions about intercourse because i'm bisexual but he's been to gay and straight bars with me you know and then in terms of the mother and it's interesting the the, the difference um one person admitted said you know my mom said claims she didn't enjoy it i don't believe her right <laughs> basically um and that withholding sex is a good way to, to weed out men who aren't interested in you but there's one patsy that you said that you were really sort of yeah the one that really yeah really struck me was um somebody responded by saying that their mum told them that sex equals dirty you know which i think was huge massive massive statement yeah and another one says sex is shameful and only okay within marriage and even then there are some things that are nasty and you should avoid them come on (laughs) So by then, chastity belt, the long nightgown, <laughs> the light off, there's a, you know, there's a pillow between you, you know, I mean. 2019, you know. I know. This is, this yeah, is, this shocking. is the thing. Mm. So, I mean, so what would you say, Derek, to um, young black men or youngish black men um, who, they want to have the conversations. They want to, they want to get to grips with who they are sexually. Try your best to be as open and honest as possible. Mm. And, yeah, like you said, don't be embarrassed to have the conversations. Um, you know, don't don't be embarrassed, especially when you're having sex with somebody. Don't be embarrassed to like express that you're enjoying yourself. You don't have to. Mm. You don't have to be stiffy in bed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you don't have to feel like that in bed. You can actually say you like it, or you can moan or do, do these kind of things. You know, you're mm. you're a human being. Um, so that's what I'd say. And I'd say even sometimes after sex, have a conversation when you're laying there, you pillow talk mm. and stuff. Just say, okay, what did you like? I like this. You know, did you not like this? Blah blah. Mm. Just be honest with each other. Have those, you know, those 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 kind of conversations. I mean, I was I was dating a girl once and we was having pillow talk and stuff, and she was like, yeah, you know, um, I I faked that orgasm just there because I needed to go to the toilet. And, <laughs> <laughs> and she was just very honest with me. And I was like, oh, okay, fair enough, <laughs> fair enough, cool, you know. Brutally yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah, but, it, but it's absolutely fine because Jesus. it does doesn't mm-hmm. diminish me as a person you, do you know what i mean but i think we do hold sex up to be this thing like this um, mm-hmm. that you have, have to be amazing at it sex has to be great every single time and do you know what i mean it, it somehow connects to your worth or it means more than love actually does definitely doesn't mm-hmm. sex is on the floor and you know loves all the way up here mm-hmm. so i think it's important that you know guys yeah just just talk just even just to demand them you know and to your girls especially have those conversations you know what i mean i think that is so important because one of the things with sex is is that you know let's say you're with one partner and that person likes one thing and you come with the next partner now Mm. and you're trying the same things with that that next partner but actually that's a different person Mm -hmm. so having those conversations about sex and about how you enjoy it and what things are good for you is really important and i think that quite often people don't do that mm-hmm. and i think that goes across the age range we kind of come with our own ideas about what worked for someone else assuming it's going to work for the next person when it necessarily isn't going to so i think you're right the one most important thing about this is having those open honest communications mm. 
Definitely. Right, I think that's a fantastic point to reluctantly end this I episode. I think so, but there's one last right. thing. I think that, Derek, you need to give a plug for your book. I was going to do that as part of my ending, but don't worry, Derek, <laughs> Derek, you do it yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah so, yeah, Safe on Black British Memory Claiming Space. It's a collection of essays, you know, great writers, great poets, great musicians. Um, you can get any any bookstore, get it on Amazon. Um Courtney Newland, Newland, Alex Weedle's in there, Sully Brakes, Simeon Brown, Jesse Bernard, you know, incredible writers. And a lot of up-and-coming writers, you know, like OK and Zulu, he's in there. He's got a book coming out in October with Dialogue Books, which I'm really excited about. That's going to be great. Nels Abbey's just released a book, Think Like a White Man. You know, I have another book coming out in November, which I'm not allowed to talk about yet, but, <laughs> but it's coming. Um, so, yeah, just a lot of great things happening um, from SAFE and yeah, the sport's been great and carry on supporting it. Derek, it's been a sheer pleasure having you in the studio it's with us. Fun. It has. Thank you great. so much for coming. Yeah. All right. And thanks to you all for listening in to this latest episode of Black Love Bite, where truth and love meet. So it's goodbye for me. And it's goodbye for me.